You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. So there are some times where we look in the Word of God and there's there's a message here that may apply to some of you, but not all of you. Maybe if we were talking about parenting, for example, and you're not you're not a parent, or perhaps we talk about the pain of divorce, and you've never talked, you've never experienced that. There are certain topics that you know are going to naturally uh, apply to some people. This is a topic today that applies to every single human being sitting in this room, every single human being uh, watching online, every single human being listening later in the week, because we're talking about anxiety today, and. This is a topic where every single person, including, believe it or not, Jesus, experienced distress in his life, and we experience it in our lives as well. And sometimes we have different levels of anxiety. Sometimes we feel trapped. I was thinking about this crazy experience that I had when I was growing up as a kid. I get, I get pretty motion sick pretty easy. Um, and uh, I'm a reactive. I, I can. Uh, I'm a reactive thrower upper. So if you you know you throw up, I'll throw up. It's just you know, it's not like empathy. Like hey bro, I'll be with you and throw up. It's just it's gonna happen. Like even if you like you start gagging, I'll pro- I just start gagging. It's just how it happens. So you know I, I can't get on a, a, a boat. Literally, even part I have gotten really seasick on a boat still tied to the dock. So. Uh, <laughs> So one couple said, hey, we would like to get married on a boat. I'm like, not with me. Uh, so I will I'll stand on the, you know, what do they call the curb there or the dock or something. And uh, I'll do it from ashore. But I'd probably even get sick just watching the boat do its thing. You know? So anyway, so I've, I've, I'm growing up. I'm probably, you know, nine years old or so. And and uh, we went to this fair and there was a Ferris wheel, you know, getting on there. And so my dad and I get in the Ferris wheel and it wasn't anything gigantic, but it was just a you know typical little th- thing. And just immediately, man, I just started to, you know, go down and I'm like just bent over. And, you know, my dad was became desperate because I'm sure he didn't want to get you know, thrown up on his trousers. My brother was standing on the ground, and every time that thing would get down, my dad was like, turn it, turn, turn, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. You couldn't even understand what he was saying. You know, he was so ang- anxious about the thing. And then my brother started laughing that uh, that didn't make it, you know, helpful. And then uh, I'm sure he got his pants worn out. You know, back then that was okay. That was biblical back then, apparently. And uh, he got his pants worn out when we got off from my dad, you know, and for me, I think. I think I uh, whooped him when they get off. But, you know, in those in that moment, I felt trapped and I felt anxious and I felt sick and I felt all those things. And I think anxiety has that that sense of gripping us. So today is a a message I think that is important for us because God is great. That's what we've just we've just read. So that's that's kind of begin to set it up. And then we'll we're going to land today in Matthew chapter 14. If you follow along with your Bible, if you don't, we'll have it up on the screen. But just let's just set it up. And and I think there's, again, nobody that doesn't understand what we're talking about. And for heaven's sakes, we got emoji right like this. These are emojis. Right. So this this just shows you how common it is. Right. 
There's no, there's no like emoji for mystery or profound thinking, but there's a lot of emoji for, you know, for uh, being anxious. We read in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 22. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? In other words, what benefit does it have when we get uptight about things that we have no control over, like a Ferris wheel? What does it do for us that is of value when we look at our 401ks and watch them sinking? When we get a doctor's report, when we lose our jobs, in the case of those we just prayed for, lose our homes. It's a natural reaction to be anxious and to be uptight. But what we're told by the medical profession is that the anxiety actually leads to worser things. Those things like heart disease and, and uh, emotional uh, depths of uh, brokenness and and physical, you know, ailments that come from that anxiety. So when Solomon, in all of his wisdom, wrote this, we understand that it's not getting it done for us. So we, it would be natural to say, okay, well, okay, I got it. Then I won't be anxious if it only were that easy. We're told in Philippians chapter four and verse six, or sorry, in Matthew chapters uh, six twenty-five, we'll get to Philippians. Jesus said, "Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life." What you'll eat, what you'll drink, how, what your job's going to be, your income, all those things about your body, your health, what you're going to wear, how you're going to make a living, all these things. Don't worry about it. In Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious for anything. It's so easy to read those words and think, oh, okay, that just sounds like a, you know, stop it, okay. But it's so much more difficult than that. It's so much more challenging than that and we wish that there was a prescription that was given by God and there is it doesn't make it easy but he begins to let us know that there is something that can be done now here is if I were to say hey list your top three things that that draw you to Jesus Christ um, other than the big things. He's the savior of the world and all those things. But on a practical level, one of the top things that draws me to Jesus Christ is that we are told that he understands us, that he sympathizes because he's been tempted in every way. He has experienced in every way. So when we read the shortest verse in the Bible, which is Jesus wept, it seems so like, oh, that's really, you know, heartwarming. But it's so much deeper than that. Jesus wept at a funeral of a friend, Lazarus. But he didn't weep as we weep at a funeral, like, oh, I'm not going to see them for a while. And there's that sense of finality that we have. He wept because he looked at the other people. And in that moment, he understood what it was like to live in our skin and grieve. And he was grieving for those who were standing around, those who were th those who were like at the loss of their friend, their family member, and they were like, oh, they were broken. And in that moment, the God who is great that we just sang about understood our skin and our internal sense of anxiety and grief. You see, so when we go to pray, we're not praying to this pristine 
God, who is a deity that is 4,000 galaxies away. Rather, we're talking to a savior. We're talking to a shepherd. We're talking to our eternal pastor, so to speak, who walked in our skin and shared our dirt and shared our anxiety. What do you mean by that? In the Garden of Gethsemane, it's why I like the Bible. It's real. It's not cover-up. It's not veneer. It's not photoshopped. It could have said that Jesus walked to the cross boldly and had no anxiety. Like, bring it on. Because then the rest of us like, dude, how, how do we live like that? How do we look at a bad financial report or a bad health report or a bad, you know, the pink slip and like, ah, bring it on. That's no problem whatsoever. That's not the way we react in the garden in Mark chapter 14. Then the, uh, then they went, uh, Jesus and three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to these three guys, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him. And he began to be anxious, deeply distressed, and troubled. I know it sounds really weird about what I'm about to say, but I'm glad. Because he understood as a human what that feels like. What if Jesus were 100% God only, but he was 100% God, 100% human? And I know that's a mystery that some people get really caught up, but we needed him to be both at 100%. I'm glad he wasn't 50% God and 50% human, because then we go like, well, he didn't get the other 50% of us, right? He probably only got the good 50%. He got 100% human, 100% divinity. And therefore, when we go to him and say, Jesus, I am deeply distressed and troubled. You know what he can say? I got it. I understand that. If you don't know Christ and you think that he doesn't get you, I don't know how to others say it, then that's not correct. It's not correct. He gets your grief. He gets your anxiety. He gets your pain. He gets your worry. He gets all those things. And so I believe that even sometimes, oddly enough, that God puts us in those situations that are more stressful. We see it all through the Bible. Joseph in the Old Testament was put in jail. Moses was right on the edge of the, the Red Sea. In other words, God sometimes says, hey, I'd like to invite you into this little chair. It's called a Ferris wheel. Turn it up a little quicker, you know, not because he's mean, but he wants to prove to us once again, hey, we need him, that God is great. Matthew chapter 14, we planned here a little bit. Jesus had been teaching. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. That's a little different. They didn't say, hey, let's get in the boat. Let's go, let's go fishing. No, he said, I'm asking you, I'm getting the boat. That's, that was his charge. He made the disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him to the other side while he stood back and dismissed the crowd. It reminds me of, of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You remember that story in the book of Daniel where there was a flaming, burning furnace and God said, here's your Ferris wheel. Come on in. Because when they were in the midst of that blaze, the fourth man showed up. A man of the, uh, Christ showed up in there. And it was only there in the furnace that they saw God clearly. 
There's sometimes we want insurance in life where we want to avoid every hardship and wish that and sometimes believe I did when I first became a Christian. I believe that, oh, cool. Now I'm a Christian. I am exempt. I'm Teflon from every hardship that will ever happen in my lifetime. Took about 24 hours to demolish that theory. Moses was up against the Red Sea, for example. Exodus 14, Moses answered the people. They were right up to the Red Sea. Here comes the clippity-clop of their enemies, you know, and their chariots. Don't be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need, here it comes, to be silent. Allow God in your stillness, to do the thing that only God can do. We all wish we could change a health report, a job report, a 401k report, a a relational break, whatever. We all wish that we could just twist the knobs of life and somehow alter and modify the situation. But we can rarely modify the situations of life But the thing that God can do in the midst of those things is bring us a stillness. We just have to say still. But we rarely see God in the comfort of life. We rarely see God in the comfort as much as we do in the hardships of life. Those are the moments in the furnace, on the sea, in in the Red Sea. When we're cornered, like, wow, dude, God showed up. And so this is exactly what happened. We see a commentary on this in Isaiah 43 from the Red Sea. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Now, notice it didn't say, unfortunately, the first word of that sentence is not if. It's when. I'm, I, I wish that it would say, if you pass through the water, like, oh, cool, I got a chance of not passing through. <laughs> If you have your hardship, oh, cool, because I may not. No, when you pass through the water, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the flooding rivers, they will not sweep over you, not necessarily physically, but emotionally, spiritually. When you walk through the fire, not if you walk through the fire, you're not going to be burned internally. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? For I'm great. I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. One more thought on this, that God sometimes puts us in the Ferris wheel of life. And there's no way out. We can't jump out. We're strapped in. Consider it pure joy in the book of James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Listen carefully for those of us that live in the United States, which is all of us in this room. We cannot be mature. We cannot ripen in our faith. We cannot fully become what God wants us to become If we live a life of 100% comfort, God puts us in the fire 
to be, bring maturity, to bring perseverance, to bring those things. And I wish there was another way. I wish there was a perseverance pill because I would take it. <laughs> I wish there was a, materni- a maternity. Oh, well, <laughs> I'll leave that right there. A maturity, uh, you know, potion. I'd take it, wouldn't you? Like, now I'm wise like Solomon. There isn't. We must go through these things. So what am I saying? Here's what the Bible is saying to us, I think. When we look at things that cause us to be anxious, we look at those as opportunities to trust in the God that can change things and walk with us through those things so that we rely on him more. And the more we rely on him, the more mature we become. It's just that simple. Now, just a few things. I, I, when we, we get to this storm on the sea in Matthew chapter 14, because we're going to kind of weave in and out of this story. God's, you know, Jesus said, hey, I'm making you get in the boat, get in the boat, blah, blah, blah. Now, Jesus knew what he was doing. They were like, hey, a boat ride, you know, but they, you know, they, Jesus had other plans like, hey, a Ferris wheel, what could go wrong, right? And so in the midst of this, of course, many of us know the story. There was a, a storm on the sea. I'm convinced that God, that Jesus probably created that storm. Let's do a little bit of a lab here. We call that labs in our disciple making tools. Let's let's do a little lab here. Let's shove the boys out in the boat, make sure they're far enough to, you know, from the shore so they don't jump out and swim back. Let's get them out there and then that'd be cool to create a storm. And he created the storm and and uh, and Jesus comes walking across the water. That happens every day. And then Peter says these words, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. All right, let's just be honest. What kook would ask that? You know what I mean? Like you'd be gripped on the boat, you know, it's tossing back and forth. Like I'm not asking, hey, do you mind if I get out of the boat in the midst of this? And when I look at this statement that, G, that Peter made, I'm like, see, he's encouraging us not to run from the storm, but to be willing to say, God, if you promise that you'll be with us through the fire, through the storm, through the flood, then I'm going to step into these things rather than run from these things. Because as Christ followers, at times we want to run from every hardship that is in front of us. What do I mean by that? Well, what if I serve somewhere and I blow it? What if I'm not prepared? What if I get in a group and I feel awkward? What if I want to get in discipleship and then there's a question that's a little bit, and these are just minor things. But I've seen it over and over where our anxiety rules our actions. Rather than like, I'm a little anxious about serving, about discipleship, about getting in a group. I'm a little anxious about getting baptized. We have a baptism class. I'm a little anxious about talking to my neighbor about being the church in the world. Yesterday, my, my son and I were taking a picture of our, uh, 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 my wife's taking a picture of us. And my neighbor uh, said to us, hey, is this a special occasion? And uh, I, I, you know, I'm like, I could have said, nah, we're just taking a photo. You know, this is what we do around here. 
But we're starting on a journey together in disciple making. And I said, actually, we are. We're starting a really neat spiritual journey together. And it was like, it was like uh, I had said, and I'm going to get naked in two seconds. Because <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I could have played it safe. I could have gotten naked, I guess. But <laughs> I could have played it safe. But I'm like, no. I wanted her to know this is part of who we are. I'm not jamming it down your throat, but I'm going to put myself in a potentially awkward situation. And it was awkward. You know, I I wish I could stand and tell you the story. And then she said, well, tell me more, Steve. And then I told her more. And she goes, oh, I'm so interested. And I told her how great Jesus was. She came to Jesus right in the driveway. End of another happy Christian story. No, I didn't go that way. But Peter said, let me get out of my security and my boat. And Jesus said, come on. I promise you, if you say to Jesus, hey, man, I'll be honest with you. I got my, you know, my snorkel. I got my seatbelt. I got my uh, paddy thing that saves you for, for the life jacket. I don't want to go on a boat. So, <laughs> floaties I know floaties all right I got an oxygen tank I got all this and Jesus was like you're gonna miss it you're gonna miss it because you're clinging on to all this security step out of the boat here's a couple things to to consider Stress holds us back from accomplishing what God wants to do at times. Anxiety sometimes takes over. Now, I'm not talking about just the anxiety over spiritual things like sharing your faith. I know full well, and you do too, that if I get so uptight about my children and being them being safe and being all those things, or if I get so uptight about my job or just stuff, life stuff, that that anxiety can be so consuming and so gripping that I'm not thinking about anything God-oriented. I'm not thinking anything about the kingdom. I'm not thinking because I'm, I'm stuck in the little Ferris wheel box and I can't get out. And so when we, we look at this passage in Matthew 14, watch, the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. If you are a Christ follower, there are winds that are against you. And those winds come from a supernatural source. Now, I know I'm going heavy here. But we're not playing around. This is not a, this is not a you know, a, a, a game. There are winds that, are, that you don't even are, are aware of. And it doesn't matter what the, the winds are, what variety of the winds. The, the enemy against God is the enemy against you. And, would, and the purpose of his life is to keep you a considerable distance from accomplishing what God wants to accomplish. 
If you haven't noticed, there wasn't anybody to talk to about the gospel in the middle of the sea. They had to get to the other side in order to continue the mission, and those winds would have kept them right there. And so will the winds of our anxiety. They'll keep us right here. In Proverbs 12, 25, I almost fell on my chair when I saw it. I was like, oh, it's so heavy. Or, so, it's so uh, right. There's such a reality. Watch. Listen carefully. Because I know some of you are in chapters of great anxiety right now. And I say that empathetically because I have been in certain areas in my life and still have certain areas in my life that have to fight worry and things like that. I get it. All right. But an anxious heart weighs a man down. It's the anchor to the boat that doesn't allow the boat to move forward. Jesus had a mission for them when they got across the sea. But they were stuck. And sometimes our boat is stuck. Here's the second thing I want to say. So first of all, anxiety keeps us from doing God's things. Here's the second thing. It matters where you look at the right time. It matters where you look at the right time. It's fine, you know, first to have concepts about this and you walk on like, okay, I get it. You know, God understands our anxiety and, you know, we, you know, give it to him and he can blah, blah, blah. But it's in the moments of the storm that count, right? Many of you know my background's music uh, and playing on the stage for many years and concert pianist and all that, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I taught for many years. And uh, how many times did a piano student say, oh, it just went perfectly at home when I practice? Don't matter. <laughs> right? It don't matter how good it went in the practice room. This is a practice room. This is a locker room. We're getting ready for the game out there, right? It doesn't matter how well we practice here in the practice room. It's when you walk out on the stage when they're paying you. <laughs> That's when it counts. It doesn't matter if we understand in this peaceful environment or maybe you're sitting in the, in the comfort of your home. It matters when life happens. That's, where, that's when we need to say, okay, here's the, here's the action. Here's the plan of action. Matthew chapter 14, 29. Then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. Wow. Came towards Jesus. But when he looked at the wind, the cause of his stress when he looked at the wind, he freaked out and he began to sink. And then he said, Lord, save me. See, in the in the moment of testing, when it was game time, when it was performance time, when he was on the stage, when it was his time, when it's your time in that moment, if you look at the thing that's causing your stress and you focus on the thing that's causing your stress, you will become, guess what, more stressful. And, and suddenly he turned his attention from the stress-causing wind to the wind giver. That just came to me. That was pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't mean to do just a play on words, just to give you a play on words, but there is a difference in understanding that God is the one that creates the storm and the one that can silence the storm. Now be careful. I'm not saying he silenced this storm. But what he needed to do was silence the storm that was internal, not external, because sometimes, come on, let's be real, the external storm just doesn't stop. It's the internal storm that's more important. 
What happens if the storm doesn't stop and the wind doesn't stop blowing and the flames don't start, you know, uh, die down? What happens in those cases? Christ can still silence the internal storm. The challenge is, here's the challenge, okay? I'm going to get very sensitive here, okay? In fact, I talked to my wife, talked to my son, like, hey, I gotta, sometimes I'll check myself before I say something and be, I'll make sure that I'm being sensitive. So I didn't run the get naked in the driveway joke, but by them, by the way, I just went with them. <laughs> when we're feeling stress, it feels like a very natural thing because typically it's coming from a natural source job loss, you know, uh, your home, your, all those things seem so natural. They just seem like really tangible, touchable things. We're just typically not freaked out about things we can't see, right? So it's normally natural. We would call them, quote, unquote, natural things. And therefore, we have what we call a natural reaction. That means loss of sleep, elevated heart rate, Dry mouth, trembling hands, flood of a cluttered mind of worried thoughts. All those things seem like a natural part of human, human life. Okay? Therefore, we begin to seek out natural remedies. When, it, when we know that from, the, from a biblical point of view and a reality point of view, that there are supernatural things happening. And therefore, when, when Peter looked at Jesus, he said, I need supernatural help. What do I mean by this? So, let me give you some statistics, okay? 59 million Americans used illegal drugs last year. Think about that. 59 million. 14 and a half million Americans are addicted to alcohol. Um, there are things that we turn to that tell us we live in a culture of anxiety. Let me be real transparent with you. I, at times, fight an addiction of an acceptable drug. It's called food. I know that seems funny. I'm not being, I'm not joking now. There are some times in my past where I've like, why am I turning to food to comfort? This may not be yours. I'm just, I like to be transparent so that you can like, oh, wow. Okay. I connect with that. I have rarely overeaten because I'm hungry. And for me, I'm an, I can be an emotional eater. So I have the, so when I have natural anxiety, I'm going to turn to, hey, well, let's, you know, get a pizza. <laughs> and so I want to be real with you and saying, hey, all of us, including Jesus, have sometimes deeply troubled things. So, Maybe you're sitting here, maybe you're online and say, I, I struggle with alcohol. Hey, welcome to the team. 
we we all turn at times to something maybe and sometimes they're good it's good things hey i'm going to take a walk sometimes it's you know stress relieving sometimes it's exercise great those are healthy great things but you know and i know that we can sometimes turn to things that are unhealthy but in all of these things whether they're good things food's good thing or not so or more harmful things alcohol illegal drugs etc we know that there is even a deeper answer. I love to exercise, and, and it brings kind of endorphins, release, and all that. But let me be really, really clear here. My exercise is not a substitute for Jesus. Because the real issue is at the depth of a supernatural issue. And anxiety is relieved at a supernatural level. If not, then when we can't, if exercise is my gig, which it is, then when I can't get to my exercise, you know, like I just traveled this week, I did a conference in Nashville. When I can't get to my exercise, then what happens? But see, here's the cool thing. Jesus lives in Nashville. I've seen him. He wears a cowboy hat there, but, you know, it's a little bit different. <laughs> In other words, wherever we go, wherever the wind is blowing, God is still there. And God is still great. And God is able to still the internal storm that we have. He never fails. It's important for us. Why? In Matthew 14, 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, said, you of little faith, that word means, that word means allegiance. Ah, I needed your allegiance here. Trust. Why did you doubt? See, Christ makes a claim. This is it. Okay, here's the crux of the whole thing. The crux of the whole thing is this, that in order to calm the internal storms that we all have, we can't turn to natural resources only, even if they're good ones. We have to trust in Christ. Does that make sense? That's why Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's me. That's the answer. Christ said, it's me. What if Christ would have said, oh, no problem, Pete. Here's a life preserver. Here's, let me, oh, throw us a line. No, he said, here's the answer. It's me. I am the answer. Does that mean that, oh, good, we have Jesus. I'll never be anxious again. No, that's why you need him today. You need him actually a lot today. You'll need him next in the next hour. You'll need, uh, you know, when you go out to the parking lot, there was a white car I scratched on the way out, and on the way in, you'll need him, whatever, no, I'm just kidding. You know, you're going to need him when somebody honks the horn at you, as someone already did for us this morning. You know, it's a, you're going to need him a lot today, and you're going to need him a lot tomorrow, and the great thing is he's always there. Cur take courage, it is me. Watch this. Matthew 14, 30. But when they saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to sink and cried out, Lord, help me. Now watch this. I want you to file this word. In Matthew, Mark chapter 4, same story, different view. He got up. Jesus got up. 
he rebuked the, the, the wind and said to the, to the sea, Hush, be silent. See, we're talking about silence. The supernatural, incredible, silencing power of God. It is better than whatever drug is out there. It is better than whatever exercise routine is out there. It is better than any double cheese, double pepperoni pizza out there. It is better than any natural resource that we can go to. Sometimes we need those things. I get it. I know that sometimes people need things as far as the, the medical life and all that. I get it. I'm not downplaying that. But we cannot leave Christ out. And so he's saying, he hushed the wind and he said, be silent, be still. And the wind died down And here. Watch this. Here's what I want you to see. And it became calm. Nope. Say it with it. It became perfectly calm. Perfectly calm. There is only one way we see perfection in this lifetime. And that's God. Now watch this. Okay. File that word perfectly. Watch this. Isaiah 26, 3. One of my favorite verses. God, you keep him, say it with me, in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now be careful. I'm not talking this morning about foxhole praying. Like, oh God, please, 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 please. And I'm over. No, this is like, I'm not taking my eyes off of you. Storm, wind, flames, flood, everything. I'm not taking my eyes off of you. Whose mind and eyes and heart and anxiety is stayed on you, fixed on you glued on you, cemented on you. That's when we experience Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which transcends, which blows your mind, can't describe it, transcends all human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God is great. And it matters where we look when we get anxious. You know, I uh, tend to fly a lot these days. I hate flying. I really do. Uh, my back is whacked out right now. My legs, I flew so much. Sometimes at one point I couldn't even feel the bottom part of my legs. So when I get on a plane, I, I, have, I strap these things around my lower, between my um, lower than my knee you know, to the shoe. And it has air things to it, and it pumps like, you know, like this. So I, I got my shins wired up. I wrapped this big stretchy thing around my torso. It, it does look like I'm going to bomb the plane. <laughs> People get really anxious. It's cool. I'm just, I'm just a little broken here, you know. And so, honestly, whenever we're, like, taking off and, you know, especially landing, I, you know, there's a, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. You know, like, you know, the landing, like, you know, shit, I'm fine. Everything's good. 
So I noticed that, you know, they always say, hey, you know, what drink do you want? And I got to be honest, I've told my wife this recently. I've taken some early flights. I like flying early. It's less cancellations when you, you know, leave it oh dark hundred. And it's shocking how many people order a screwdriver. If you don't know what that is, or a Bloody Mary or whatever, you know, take your choice. At seven o'clock in the morning. So when they ask what drink I want, I wonder if I should say, I'll just have living water. <laughs> Is that the sparkly kind or the ones with bubbles? Yeah, it kind of has bubbles in it. Hmm? One final thought before we leave. Watch this. Matthew 14, 32. Now, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Now, who climbed into the boat? Peter and Jesus, right? How many are in the boat? Thirteen. Jesus and twelve. No, no trick question. Right? So they, they climbed into the boat. Then those who were in the boat, now including Peter, right? They worshipped him. And they said, just like we do. Wow, you're great. Truly, you are the Son of God. Let me put let me just tie this into a to a little bit of a, a closer here, okay? <laughs> Paul, I thought that was your stomach, but I'm like <laughs> we got some snacks out in front. <laughs> that was beautiful. Become like a little child. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just tie it in. Just go with it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> here's, here's the point. Watch. All of them worshipped. Only one was drenched. All of them worshipped. Only one was drenched. I don't want to live the rest of my life just as a worshiper. I want to get drenched. That means you put yourself in a hard spot. Because those others, they, they were pretty wild by the thing. But I'm just, last night I was thinking about Peter. In fact, I was up at three in the morning with a stupid back thing. And I was sitting there thinking, sitting in the dark thinking about Peter. And I was thinking about all these guys and they were worshiping Christ. And I just wondered, as, as Peter was also worshiping, dripping, maybe was shivering a little bit, if he had this little smile, like, that was cool. Wow, that was cool. Because only he saw Jesus in that life. Don't be so comfortable. You're going to miss it. You'll worship, but Jesus is asking you to be drenched. Let me pray. Thank you, God. This seems strange to thank you for the storms of life.
but we thank you for it because of what it means. The winds bring something else. The winds bring to us this cry from our heart. I pray, God, we pray together for one another, for those that are sitting in this room. Like, dude, you nailed me. This, the word of God nailed me today. I'm so anxious about whatever that thing is. I'm so anxious about it. And I feel trapped like I'm in this little Ferris wheel car. Listen to these words, if that's you. Jesus said, it is I. It is I. I supersede any natural solution that you could have. Father, forgive us when we live our Christian life in in the comfort of suburbs, in the comfort of cushions, in the comfort of low risk. Pray, Father, that we would be willing to say, God, invite me out of the boat. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get drenched. And we'll worship you differently. Peter worshiped differently than the other 11 that day. Father, we pray for those who who have not yet encountered you, have not yet, they believe in you, but not have transferred, exchanged their old life for a supernatural new one. They've not exchanged their natural life for a supernatural one. In other words, God, they're still living the life that all of us lived before we came in contact with you, before we put all of our faith in you, before we experienced what it was like to have the peace that is still beyond our understanding. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've come today. Maybe you're sitting at home today. Maybe you're sitting in your car listening today. Maybe you're right in this room today. And you say to yourself, I've never encountered Christ. I've never had, I I believe in God. I may even believe in Jesus. But I've really never come to a point in my life where I've said, you know what, God, I'm going to turn my life in and stop leading it. And I want you to lead it. I have never asked you personally for a new beginning, for the forgiveness of sin, my sin. I've never asked you for a new life inside of me. I've never had a spiritual encounter, only an intellectual agreement, or maybe an intellectual and heart resistance. Maybe God is resonating with you more deeply than you ever would have expected. Listen, that's not you. This is not self-revelation. It's God revelation. It's God revealing himself. Every Christian sitting in this room right now and at home would say, it's when God revealed himself and he was trying over and over. And then I, I paused my life long enough to see him. So if you find yourself resonating with God, that's what's happening. God is saying like he did to Peter, come to me. It is I. Jesus is saying, I am the savior. I am the one that rescues. I am the one that gives you life. I am the living water. I am the truth, the way, the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am your peace. I am the one that can bring you life. 
So why not right now turn internally to him and say, God, I'm not going to trust in anything else. I'm not going to trust in myself, modified behavior, religion, being in a church, trying to obey the golden rules. I'm not going to, none of that. I'm not going to trust in any of that, God, but I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ alone because that, my friend, is when we get to know God. When we come, and maybe this is your prayer, and say, God, I'm broken, I'm imperfect, I'm a sinner. You know it. I know it. Now I'm asking you, God, through Jesus, to embrace me and forgive all my sin. Maybe that's your prayer. I'm asking you, God, for a new life. I'm fatigued of this one. Is that your prayer? I want the assurance to know that you and me are okay, God. Is that your prayer? I want to be your child, God. Is that your prayer? Turn to him right now. Don't wait. Whether your sea is calm or your sea is stormy, turn to him right now and say, God, I trust in Christ. I embrace Christ. Bring new life in me. You say it in your own heart language. Thank you, Father, for creating storms and calming them. But today, particularly, we thank you for the supernatural power that you have to give us, to infuse in us a peace that is beyond our ability to understand or express. You truly, God, are great. And we love you and worship you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.